It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schlereth, alongside my co-host, Mike Evans, uh, producer Scott the Huff, and oh, how about week three? Lots of great stuff to get into over the course of week three in the National Football League uh, season, or the National Football, is that National Football League season? Does that make sense? You know, this is, you know, I'm just not. Just what keep, a, just keep rolling. Just keep going, Mike Evans. How are you, buddy? I'm doing. I'm doing well. Battling yeah. a bit. That of a was cold. smooth. You know what? That was smooth, Mike. It was smooth. Well, hey, listen. You know the way I sound with a with a cold the last couple of days. Uh, I, I I am the last person to be criticizing anybody about how they sound. So, mm-hmm. but trust me, once my voice starts sounding better, I'll I'll go back to critiquing you. Okay, All right. good, yeah, because your voice, uh, you have got, for people who don't know, you have got a ginormous head. So this is like the world's largest head cold right now. Like, yeah. there's not enough Sudafed on the planet no. to cover your head because, like, right, you just got to fight through it, Mike. You're just going to have to fight through it because <laughs> they don't, Sudafed doesn't make enough Sudafed. I don't know where their <laughs> national headquarters is, where right. their plant is. Right. But whatever, wherever their plant is, they don't make enough Sudafed to get that to get that head cold out of your head. It's a head cold in your throat. Yeah, it's a throat head. Yeah, cold. it's 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 not been pleasant. But no. but we uh, we press on, we grind because that's what we do here. And sure. uh, well, yeah, what a great week it was. All kinds of great storylines. And I I mean, hey, you know, you're you're doing stuff for FS1. I, I got to believe everybody's just gaga over the idea that hey, Daniel Jones might be the the real deal. Oh yeah, you know what it is now. You know what it is. Re- remember last year, it was um, Baker Mayfield, and now it's no longer Baker Mayfield. Like he is not, um, you know, he's not the uh, the pinup poster boy of the week or whatever. Now it's Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones is going to change the fortunes of the New York Giants, and that was great. I mean, Daniel Jones was was awesome, and I don't know if you read this, but apparently at one point he came to the huddle. And he was just like, hey, let's go F and score. Let's go, you know, and like they hadn't seen that side of Daniel Jones. So, I mean, all that stuff is great. And he did that the majority of the game without Saquon Barkley, who, you know, many feel is the best back in all of football. So, good. Now, here's the deal about young quarterbacks, Mike, and you know this. Um, Usually when a young quarterback comes into a situation where he's getting his first start or whatever, um... You know, everybody's a little bit tentative, right? They play kind of a little bit vanilla. They want to make sure that, um, you know, they don't they don't give up big plays or whatever. It'll be interesting to see how people adjust. And I'm not saying Daniel Jones won't be great, but we've seen the three-game swing by guys like, you know, A.J. Feely, or we've seen the great three-game run by a guy like Matt Flynn who parlayed that into a big contract with Seattle. And then, ultimately, we've seen a lot of those guys not pan out. So I want to see the adjustments defensive uh, defensive coordinators make. I want to see how he responds to those adjustments. But I, I tell you what, it's fun to be a Giants fan for a week, right, with that kid coming in and playing the way he did, Mike? Yeah, real hope, real optimism, you know, and, and knowing that Saquon Barkley will get healthy eventually. And now, all of a sudden, you can start to dream that you have two real good building blocks on offense and, and and you know speaking of these quarterbacks and what's real and what's a mirage and how will we know if it's real two quarterbacks Kyle Allen and Gardner Minshew mm. uh real deals or should these guys enjoy their 15 minutes of fame before it runs out yeah it re- interesting question right cuz i mean you look at the situation like in Carolina right now right 
And Kyle Allen, here's a guy that beat out Kyler Murray at A&M, right? And then Kyler Murray goes, well, I got beat out. Well, I'm going to Oklahoma. Forget it. So this is a guy, and he's beat out other people as well, that's finally getting his opportunity. And, and you know, I think interestingly enough, Mike, and I've told you this before, even, even during a Cam Newton's MVP season, he was never, in my mind, like he's never been a super efficient quarterback or an elite-level quarterback. He's an elite-level athlete. He's a freak show. He's one of the greatest on the planet. But he was never a great, accurate thrower of the the intermediate routes. He never has been. Even in his MVP season, he completed 59% of his passes, which by today's standard is, is, you know, it's six, seven percentage points, eight percentage points where where elite-level quarterbacks sit. You know, they sit at 65 to 70% now, right? That's that's where the quarterbacks sit in today's game. And, you know, you're throwing it at 59%, 60%, somewhere in there. Um, ultimately, it's just not good enough. Now, he's always had an elite-level arm from an arm talent standpoint. And, you know, throwing the deep ball, throwing the seams and stuff, he was always great at that stuff. But never an elite-level quarterback. I, I found it very interesting that they came out in Carolina on Monday – and here's a guy that they were hoping to get back this week, a guy they were hoping to heal up, a guy that has a foot injury that they were fine starting for the first couple of weeks who didn't play very well, and how quickly all of a sudden they said, he's out for four weeks, right? It was like, no, Cam's not coming back. Four weeks he's out because they saw the potential of what this offense might be able to be with a guy who, has a, who you know, for all intents and purposes, has, has better ability right now as currently constructed, especially in the short to intermediate routes, where I think Cam Newton has historically struggled, Mike. So, um, might this be might this be the beginning of the end of Cam Newton in Carolina? Might they be ready to move on from Cam Newton? I, I think they would be willing to move on if Allen's the real deal. But you know, let's just go back to what you just said. Let's wait until there's a book out on this guy. And see how teams adjust, and then see how right. Because otherwise, he just might be a flash in the pan. But, you know. But I, okay, but here's what I'm saying, and it's not even just about Kyle Allen. It's about. It's more about like let's not focus on the Kyle Allen. You know, you know, had one great start, and yeah, they're gonna do the same thing. I, I talked about with Daniel Jones. But what I'm saying is, you think the Carolina Panthers understand that if Cam Newton can't be the guy who has 10 designed runs and play in that kind of unsustainable system, is he really the guy that we want to keep investing for in our future? Because it's too inconsistent. Like, are they ready to move on from Cam Newton? What about Minshew? Rocking the jorts, goes back to Washington State, wearing the jorts, Mm -hmm. got the glorious stash. I hope. Like, I'm like my my gut feeling is that no, he's not the answer. Like, no, this is you know he is you know, like he's getting his 15 minutes of fame and maybe he he's a long term backup quarterback for the rest of it. I don't know that you know my gut my that's what my gut says just because you know we've seen this before in the past. But my hope is hell yeah he's the quarterback of the future because he's fun. Like he he's showing up, cutting his own, cutting his jeans off, and making the jorts, and uh, like that that seems fun to me. Like that guy seems like a you know who he feels like to me. He feels like the year I spent or two years I spent playing with Bubby Brister. 
you know, when when Bubby Brister would come into the huddle and say things like, man, we got great camaraderie ship around here, you know, and like you just look at him like, really, you're our quarterback? You are awesome, man. He would – like he'd be picking fights with guys that he was – like you're you're blocking, you know, you're playing in Kansas City against the Chiefs, historically one of the toughest places to play in the world. And Bubby Brister is talking shit to the linebackers and the D linemen and like, hey dude, I'm the one that's gotta protect you. You might want to take it easy, you know, and he does not care. He is just talking smack, having a blast. I mean, he was he's still to this day one of my favorite teammates I ever played with. He so is, yeah, maybe he's got he's a little Bubby so in him, fun. maybe a little Jim McMahon type, you yeah. know, in him. Right. I, I mean I hope I hope he I hope he's not just a flash in the pan. I hope it's sustainable. I, I tell you what though, it does go to show you, you know, that there's no fixing the relationship between Jalen Ramsey and the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? I mean they have this Thursday night game divisional opponent. They absolutely you know, they absolutely throttle the um uh, the Tennessee Titans and Marcus Mariota and then what do they do? You know, they, they get a couple of days off. They're supposed to come in Monday and Sunday night. All of a sudden, Ramsey has, and I'm going to use air quotes, the flu, and I can't make it into practice on Monday. You know, like, this guy has no intention of being a long-term Jaguar. Like, the win and the excitement and the euphoria of beating a divisional opponent on Thursday night when the nation's watching – um, had no bearing on his decision. He does not want to be there. He does not want to be a part of that organization. He wants out. Um, he, you know, whether it's he and and Doug Marone, the head coach, or or you know, um, him and uh, oh damn, now Tom Coughlin, you know, the the president kind of quote unquote GM type. Um, it just seems to be, or seems to me that. Um, that that is that that relationship is not going to be salvaged. Yeah, but you know what? If you're the Jaguars, you shouldn't be in a hurry because uh, you, you you had a very impressive win last week. You're one and two in an AFC where ten of the sixteen teams in the AFC are one and two or worse, and you got a trip out here to Denver to play a Denver team that's zero and three. I mean, you, you could be looking at being 2-2 two and two and being right in the middle of the, the hunt right. in the AFC. And unless a team is willing to give you what you think is the value for Jalen Ramsey, and early reports have had it that they'd like two first-round picks for him, teams are balking at that. But the Jaguars shouldn't be in a hurry to unload this guy. Not yet, right. should they be? No, especially if he's going to go out and play well. And he knows that he needs to go out and play well. Um, you know, to to essentially continue to, you know, up his his value and his worth. So it behooves him as a player to go out and be great, to be excellent. And and so yeah, I mean they're in they're in a a slow play situation. The issue that you get into though is when everybody knows what's going on. Eventually. Like, what does that do to team morale? What does it do to kind of the chemistry of the football team and all that kind of stuff is, is you know, the fine, the kind of balancing act, the juggling act that you're they're operating in right now. But I'm 100% with you. But here's the thing that here's the thing that always is interesting to me. And, and somebody sent this stat to me, whether it's true or not, I have no idea. But. It was interesting, and I, I think it were, is worth bearing. See, I came from an organization back when Joe Gibbs was one of the running the Washington Redskins, where 
they consistently traded away their first-round draft choice. Now, usually Joe was pretty good, so they were always late, you know, draft number 28 or whatever it was, right? But they consistently gave those away because their philosophy in Washington at the time was we would rather have known commodities versus unknown commodities. Like, I, I want a guy that I know can play at this level, not a guy that, you know, that we think can play at this level. And so the stat came to me, and I haven't bothered to, you know, to – to Google it and see if it's true or not. I just take it for what it is. But the stat was 75% of first-round draft choices in the NFL don't sign a second contract with the team that originally drafted them. Like this science that is the first round, you know, the hoopla, the how many times you do 225 on the bench, how fast you run the 40, how many boxes can you jump over, like if we let you do burpees for 12 minutes, how long, how many could you get in? Like all the all the crap that really doesn't have a lot to do with playing football um, and all the research and all the time spent and all the, the man hours and the money spent traveling around and interviewing these guys, 75% of them you decide after they've been in your organization for four years aren't worth a shit? Aren't worth re-signing, Mike? Like for all of those who act like the draft is an exact science, that's exhibit A right there. It's not. I mean, it's it's kind of mind-boggling. So, um, like, I just don't covet the first-round draft choices like I think most organizations covet. And I understand that it's a two-fold thing. One, you're getting younger and you're getting talent. But, but two, maybe bigger, is you're getting talent that you control for the next four or five years, uh, and it and it – eliminates you know big money on your salary well i wonder if that will start to play out more with teams willing to make trades for established players to go out and improve like pittsburgh did they went out they gave up a first round for minka fitzpatrick and Mm -hmm. you know could it be that we're seeing we talked about this last week on the podcast that our nfl players looking at their nba brethren and thinking hey if if i'm not happy i want to be able to force my way out of a situation into a better situation and are teams now in the NFL more likely to trade in season, uh, you know, considering they never used to do that right. in the past. I mean, the trade deadline would pop up and people would be like, oh, yeah, there's a trade deadline in the NFL. I'd forgotten about that. But this year, everybody knows it's October 29th. And yeah. there could be some uh, big-time players on the move as maybe more and more teams are looking at it, like the way you just said, and said, hey, look, maybe these first-round picks, we've been overrating them. And it's better to get somebody that we know can play. Let, let me uh, let me ask you about. I want to bring up because we were talking about these these quarterback stories and the freshness of Daniel Jones and, right. and Kyle Allen and Gardner Minshew. I, I think the most impressive situation, new situation, quarterback was pulled off by the Saints. And you know because these other teams we're talking about, we we don't really think of them as being legitimate contenders, but we do think of the Saints as being a legitimate contender, is while they try to stay uh, alive while Drew Brees is recovering, what a what a boost, what a lift they got right. from Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, Teddy was great in that game. The defense for the Saints was tremendous, and they went into a very you know hostile environment, a situation where we know is really difficult to play, one of the great home field advantages in all of football in Seattle, the 12th man, and all that, all that you know, noise that's created, and they just thunder punched him in the throat. They physically, they they physically, like went in to Seattle and beat their asses. And I mean, 
that to me is one of the most impressive things that you can do on the road to be physical to get that done in a tough tough place to play and i think like i think it's one of the most impressive victories uh, of the season, going in with Teddy Bridgewater, a backup quarterback. Everybody is, oh, woe is me. Drew Brees is going to be out for the next six weeks with a thumb surgery, and that you can go in there and get those things done. And I think it's one of those things from a coaching standpoint, but it just goes to show you from a personnel standpoint what the Saints are and what they can be. And here's what's most impressive to me, is that the New Orleans Saints can cut you up in a myriad of different ways, all right? So they have proven that with Sean Payton and with Drew Brees, they can out-execute you. They can out-scheme you. They've got the ability to do that. They've also shown over the years that they can be a physical football team running the football, and they can go down there and they can cram it down your throat. It's the, you know, the illusion of complexity. They'll show you a lot of things, but ultimately Sean Payton wants to to physically beat you up in the running game. They've got one of the most talented players in all of football in Alvin Kamara, who's just amazing. But I think the thing that maybe has missed in in the past or maybe we haven't recognized because of all the offensive superstars is how good this defense is. And I tell you what, this defense was physically dominant. Cam Jordan is one of the most complete football players on the planet that we don't talk about. You know, we talk about guys like Vaughn Miller, and we talk about, you know, Aaron Donald. We talk about Khalil Mack. We talk about – there's a lot of guys we talk about. Uh, Cameron Jordan is a, is a guy that needs to be talked about more because he's not only a great player, but he's a complete player both in the run and the pass. And and this is impressive. You know, we talked about, hey, can if the Saints could just weather the storm and be 3-3, three and three, they'll still be in this damn thing. They're not trying to weather a storm. They're they're going out trying to whip ass until Drew Brees gets back. Uh, you done talking about Antonio Brown? Well, no. I mean, you know, he enrolled back in school now, so back to school, <laughs> back to school to prove to dad that I'm no fool. Yeah, he's back in school now. This is gonna be like Rodney Dangerfield. No, that was Adam Sandler. From, I know that uh, was Adam Sandler, oh, but I'm saying, okay. you know. Oh, oh, you mean, is, yeah. Is, is AB going to be doing triple Lindy's? No, I mean, he's online school right mm. now. So, I like, I, you know, it, it's interesting because I threw out a tweet Sunday. I, I, got, I got done calling Raiders at Minnesota. So, I get done calling the game on Fox, you know. And so, I sit down on the plane and I just kind of like, you know, you, you get into just like, exhale mode right because it's just like it's intense you call a game it gets intense and that game was somewhat of a blowout it was what 34 to 14 or something whatever it was I can't remember I really wasn't paying attention so um anyhow I, I go through my Twitter feed and I'm just looking at things and I see the Antonio Brown tweet how he's like I'm done with the NFL and you know blah 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 and I'm just like oh my lord this guy again right and you know, I'm just sitting in my chair and on the plane, and I was like, "All right." I, I just felt compelled to 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 respond to this guy, and I was like, "Okay, number one, the NFL was here long before you got here. It'll be here long after you're gone. Nobody really cares." Two, like, how can they just take my money away? It's called a personal conduct policy. You should read it, right? You should actually look at it because every player—it's part of every player's contract. 
And number three, you know, he's he's crying. I mean, cry me a river about how unfair your treatment is. Like, like you're not a victim. You're just an asshole. Like, that's what you are. You're an asshole. And end of story. And I'm telling you what, I, I like the response I got on that, over 7 million, like, people have, like, it, I don't even know what impressions are, but it was, it was, it was liked like almost a hundred thousand times. Like people are so sick of Antonio Brown, and and it's kind of endemic of of the society we live in in general. Like nothing's my fault. We're all victims. It was just it's asinine, just asinine. And I don't know, Mike. I don't know if this guy's going to get another opportunity. There's part of me that is just like, would you please shut up? And there's part of me that that's like, this guy's got serious mental health issues, and I hope. I hope that somebody loves him enough to actually slap him upside the head and say, you're going to get help because you are an asshole and there's something dramatically wrong with you. And, and obviously his agents and some of the people he has in his life are not, are not providing that service to him because like the only thing I, the, the guy has got to suffer from some type of mental disorder because he the the way he's acting is not at all in any way, shape, or form rational. He went from being guaranteed over thirty million dollars to you know he's made one hundred and fifty eight million um, from thirty million because of because of of his actions, because of his idiocy, because of his just lack of being a professional. It's, it that part to me is very sad. All right, well, let's finish up on a, a lighter note. Although, I don't, maybe it's not a lighter note. You're the one that's living it. You have um, you have met with the ire of many different groups of sports fans. Uh-huh. Soccer fan has had it in for you. Uh, hockey fan has had it in for you. Right. Uh, Oklahoma Sooner, Baker Mayfield, Heisman uh, fan has had it in for you. Now it's wrestling fan? Oh, you want yeah. to explain what happened? Boy, you know, Mike, I just, I like, I seem to consistently step in it, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you what. So I do a promo because now Fox is, you know, in with WWE wrestling superstars. And I do a, a promo with uh, this WWE superstar, Ray. Okay, I can't even Mysterio. remember. Mysterio. Mysterio, yeah. Ray, thank you. Ray Mysterio. First off, uh, I meet him. Great guy. He's in his like his mask, you know. I I, I don't know. I, I call it the uh, from Nacho Libre. That's what I know it from. I was like his uh, uh, luchador. <laughs> Whew, that was great luchador mask, right? And so I'm like, oh, he's got a spare, and I'm like, oh, let me put that on. We'll go do this together. And he goes, well, it's probably not going to fit your head. And it's not that I have a big head, Mike. I, I've kind of, for an ex-offensive lineman, I've kind of got a, a little tiny peanut head, you know, considering. But this guy is five foot seven, and, you know, maybe 170 pounds or something, right? Like, his head is small compared to my head. And so, anyhow, he was right. It didn't fit. So, we do this little wrestling promo, and it's silly. You know, it's 15 seconds, whatever. But we're talking. I meet his son. And we're talking about, you know... Um, just football and wrestling and all these things. And then they flash to him and he's sitting in the stands, you know, with his, his mask on and we flash to him. And I say something about, you know, about the luchador mask and like Nacho Libre. It was like, it reminded me of the Nacho Libre mask, you know? 
and wrestling fan went ape bananas on me. Like, I am the most disrespectful guy in the history of broadcasting, and that's a, you know, that's a superstar of of WWE, and how disrespectful can I be, and, you know, and I should learn the sport type of thing. And I just, I'm like, you're kidding me, right? So I mean, they're telling you to be more serious about something that is fake. Exactly. Right. Be more serious about the soap opera that is the sport. Nutshell! So- But I got to tell you, it's not nearly as bad as, you know, I get it with, with, uh, like hockey fan, hockey fans worse. Are they the worst hockey fans? The Like I used to think it was soccer fan, but they're cute. Like they, like they, they put up a good fight, like, but they know, you know, I love soccer fans says, Oh, your fat ass couldn't run for 90 straight minutes. I like to run. Have you ever watched the soccer game? They're trotting around. They try. They got a case of the trots. Every now and again, somebody sprints. Woohoo! Whoa, that's tough, right? And then they, you know, if you if you do fall down, they squirt some magic water on you. You're fine. <laughs> I'm like, give me a break. That's such crap. So you know, I but they're cute. You know, they they talk a good game, but I'm just like, whatever, dude. Whatever, soccer guy. It's hockey fan. Like hockey fan desperately wants you to be a fan of their sport right and they want you to cover their sport and until you cover it and you say something wrong and then they just absolutely embase you like you can't talk about my sport you're an idiot you don't understand it like you know so now hockey fans the worst but wrestling fan you know wrestling fan is i'm starting you know i felt their ire a little bit. yeah so I'm, I'm like they're on they're on my list right now Wrestling fan, you're on my list. Ooh. Get that card out of my face! I love that. That's one of my favorite sports movies, Nacho Libre. Well, then we just learned something. Uh, hell hath no fury like a uh, disrespected uh, wrestling fan, huh? Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't... Oof. Do not disrespect their, and I'm using air quotes once again, second time on the show, sport. <laughs> On that note, I want to win. <laughs> I want to win. I want to win. I sh- you know what I should have told him? Hey, guys, don't get mad at me. They're the Lord's chips. <laughs> <laughs> All right. for every- Hey, wait, by the way, really quick before we go, do you remember um, the Moneymaker picks? Where were we? Uh, we do I think next- we'll, we'll, don't we normally do those a little bit later in the week? And we'll, yeah, we will do we'll that We'll revisit later and do new Moneymaker picks and uh, see how we did last week. Yeah, New England, I know this for a fact. New England let me down 30 to nothing. I thought, ah, money won that one. And then all of a sudden they gave uh, the Jets a couple courtesy touchdowns like the little brother, you know. At the end of the game, you let him score a couple. Oh, look at that. I do have H.O., you know, on a horse game. Like, you just let him you, you purposely miss a couple of layups. That's kind of what happened. Hey, one of the biggest games in uh, Buffalo Bills history in, in a couple decades, right, coming up? Isn't that sad when it's week four and it's one of the biggest games in your history in the last well, six decades or hey, whatever? chance for real legitimacy. You can really yeah. stake your claim this week. I mean, what what better time? 3-0 Patriots, 3-0 Bills coming to your building. Show us what you got. All right. Hey, listen, man. Great to be with you. Get well. Hope that head cold clears up a little bit. And um, be back with you later on in the week, all right? Sounds good. All right. For everybody that uh, listens to the Sink Good uh, – Sink Good <laughs> – 
That's my business. Everybody listens to the uh, Stinkin' Truth podcast. I really appreciate you guys. For Scott, for Mike, I'm Mark. We'll talk to you later on in the week. Get the cut out of my face!